welcome back to another episode of Overcomplicated. Um, so, surprise, we were planning on it being just me, Tim, and Jacob, our guest star for the day, but Cody was able to make it last minute. So, glad he could make it. But Yeah, no, I was a little bit sick. You know, I was doing math problems and stuff in my free time, um, and I caught the plague. But I'm back and healthy. I drank some orange juice and uh, meditated for about two and a half hours. Nice, nice. So, um, like I was saying, Jacob is our first ever guest star. Uh, one of my oldest friends, one of my best friends, and he is a history nerd, for lack of a better word. He also, you teach history, right? Your social studies? Yep, teach high school social studies. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am a nerd, um, just like all these guys. Uh, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, video games, mm. history nerd, uh, you name it, I nerd it. Nice. And I'm excited to be here. Nice. So, Jacob, um, for those of you wondering, has some fun history facts for us. Are they fun? How would you categorize these history facts? I would categorize these as interesting, odd, interesting, odd history facts. Nice. Nice. Peculiar. Peculiar, you could say. Right. Okay. Fun. Well, um, we're ready when you are. Okay, number one is um, something that still happened. This is an ongoing thing, but it's got its basis in history. And that is, it's called Buzkashi. It's called other things, um, but in English we would call it dead goat polo. I'm sorry. Dead goat polo. <laughs> dead goat polo, okay. This so is... I have a pretty vivid imagination. What would dead goat polo be exactly? Do you ride a dead goat? I can tell you what it is exactly. So this is a sport that is practiced in Central Asia. Some countries are Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Kyrgyzstan. All the stands. I like to call it Stanland. Stanland. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, And yeah, it's a, a sport where the participants are on horseback. And instead of a ball, they have either a goat or calf carcass, <laughs> and they decapitate it oh, no. and cut off the legs and sew it all up, soak it in water overnight, and they use this like sixty to ninety pound carcass as the ball. <laughs> The old pigskin. Now, if I'm not mistaken, it's like pigskin. But <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, polo uses golf clubs, right? Yeah. So I think mallets. I think mallets the, the polo comparison comes from the fact that they are on horseback. Okay. So they're not like beating a dead. Ball no, goat. Um, not beating a dead horse, if you will. Um, so the aim of the game is, um, from what I've seen, it, the field is about the size of two football soccer fields okay or football fields for everywhere else um and so the the goat carcass is in the middle Mm -hmm. and then on each side of the field there are um there's a circle a lot of times it is uh just a circle on like a little mound Mm -hmm. surrounded by tires i saw one video where it was like actually a cement structure made out of a made into the circle Mm -hmm. okay and the goal is to get the goat into the circle oh my gosh. <laughs> um, through whatever means necessary. And this, I watched some videos. It's brutal. Um, <laughs> yeah, I say. And so, like I said, this goat carcass is like 60, 90 pounds. Yeah. And so a lot of times instead of throwing it, what I noticed was 
the riders would throw themselves with the goat, you know, holding the goat into the circle. <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah, and so... Um, oh, wow. A lot of times people get knocked off their horses. Uh-huh. Um, so I imagine a lot of people get trampled. <laughs> I, <would imagine. laughs> I saw one instance where there was a guy going to put the goat in the circle, mm-hmm. and another rider came up and T-boned his horse with their own horse. <laughs> oh and so it's one of those things, if this was in the States, I, I'm fair... This would be illegal. Like, you couldn't do this. Yeah. Um, it would be considered <laughs> animal cruelty. Uh, but this, it was hardcore. Dudes were getting thrown from their horses. Oh, my gosh. Uh, fallen from their horses, uh, all to get the goat into the hole. Wow. So, how, <laughs> what happens if, say, the ball deflates? So I was reading an article, and um, in the article it said by the end of the, the the game, a lot of times like there's intestines and organs like hanging out of the goat. So and oh, like so they get a snack after the game. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so like the riders will be covered in um, juices, blood, oh, juices, <laughs> no. sauce everywhere. <laughs> Yes. Oh, uh, no. So it was, uh, it's wild. So, like, you said that they cut off, oh my gosh, the head and the legs and sew it back on. Is well, they sew like, it up. They sew it up. They okay. sew it up. So it's just the body then. Yeah. They don't sew the head back on. No. Okay. My bad. I was wondering if you get, like, more points if you have more of the goat <laughs> to go into the goal. No, the only way to get points is whoever gets the goat in the goal oh, the most. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, Full tackle sports is already dangerous enough, but full tackle with horses just sounds infinitely worse. And as far as padding goes, I mean, there, I mean, to me, it looked like there was basically none. Oh my gosh! So it it, it, it looked rough. Do they have youth leagues? I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. For church leagues? Church, <laughs> church league? Um, I don't think there's a lot of churches in that part of the world. So probably not. Oh, sorry. Temple leagues? Temple, Temple leagues? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> As far as history goes, the only mm-hmm. thing I could find is um, some sources think it might have originated from rival tribes stealing mm-hmm. other tribes' goats. Oh, and so, wow. like, they were like, oh, you stole our goat, so we're going to chase you to get our goat back. Huh. And then eventually they were like, oh, you know what? That thing we do where we, you know, steal goats and then chase each other, maybe we should turn that into well, that's a like game. like a steeplechase. The track event came yeah. from Ireland hmm. where they would race... From church to church, so the steeple, they jump over little creeks and fences. That's where the hurdle and the pond comes from in steeplechase. Huh. Hmm. So I heard that. Basically, wow. what I'm saying is, this is on the cusp of being an Olympic sport. I would watch <laughs> sure. that. I would watch that sport. Yeah, I would. interesting. Yeah. I don't think Americans could really practice that again like, oh, no. because of animal cruelty. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Like I, I am. I'm fairly certain there's probably a lot of horses that end up having to be. Put down from injuries from this, you know what I mean? Full yeah. tackle horses is yeah. no joke. Yeah, yeah. so definitely wow. not something we would be doing. Wow. All right. <laughs> what else you got for it? You started off um, really strong. That was one of the shorter ones, and this is another short one, too. Uh, President Jimmy Carter, according to an interview he did, I think in 2008, with an author, um, had irradiated urine. His urine was radioactive. 
gosh. That sounds like an Imagine Dragons song. Yeah. <laughs> that was the inspiration. <laughs> how, how do you find out that you have irradiated urine? So... Are you just like, man, I should probably get away from this? So he was in the Navy, and this was in 1952, and he was part of a program that was dealing with Mm -hmm. um, atomic things, radioactive things. And so there was a nuclear um, reactor in Ontario, Canada, that had a partial meltdown in 1952. And so Carter had been, he was part of a team that was trained to deal with this kind of stuff. And so he went. Mm -hmm. And so I assume, you know, when you've been into a partially melted down nuclear reactor, you're probably like, I should probably be checked out. Right. Well, that kind of reminds me of, um, what is it? Um, It's called the elephant's foot or whatever. Hmm. Like there was a, there was a radioactive meltdown, nuclear meltdown somewhere. And it's like this huge pile of nuclear waste. Right, it's massive. It looks like an elephant's foot, right? <laughs> and like, in order to get a picture, like, sorry, if you're exposed to it, like, if you look at it around the corner, you will die within minutes. It's so radioactive. So, in order to take a picture of it, they had to set up mirror after mirror to take a photo of it. Hmm. Um, so, like, so that's but how did he figure out? Like, did he like, go take a leak? Like, in the snow or like uh, something? Uh, <laughs> so, I will tell you, this is one of the ones I don't have a lot of info on. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of information about it. I know that he he went and did this operation. He talked about the fact that um, they had to literally they practice on tennis courts running and mm-hmm. unscrewing um, and screwing bolts back on because you mm-hmm. couldn't you have to run in and then run back out um, because you so you aren't exposed to the radioactive oh, wow. material for a longer mm-hmm. period of time. And even then, he was exposed to way more than he would be allowed to be exposed right. to today. And so uh, he hmm. just told the author that six months after the incident, he had his urine was by some scale radioactive. That's crazy. And the fact that it would stay like that, like after that long, yeah, yeah. sounds like a side quest in Fallout Three. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, I think so. Um, Cure your radioactive urine. <laughs> you have to, you have to find a sample of Jimmy Carter's irradiated urine to fix this. <laughs> Thing. Quest um, item. <laughs> Presidential urine. Just Jimmy Carter's bladder in a vase, but it's like sentient, so it talks. It's like, I love peanuts or whatever he did. I've been glowing me I think it's a different Jimmy Carter. Um, <laughs> different. Yes. Uh, and you know what's also wild? When he did this interview in 2008, he was 86 years old. He's he's old. He, he's still He's active. still going, yeah. Still he does a lot of stuff with Habitat for Humanity still, so mm-hmm. more power to him. Yeah. I think he has one of the best post presidencies of any president. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say definitely the longest. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, he spent the whole time like mm-hmm. helping people. So yeah, right. I'd, I'd agree with you. Nice. <laughs> what else you got so far? You are knocking. You're you're batting a hundred right now. Good. This is awesome. We aim to please. <laughs> uh, this one is the origin of the term kamikaze. Oh gosh. Oh, uh, right. Kamikaze. If, if if someone's familiar with the term, they think of. Um, suicide bombers in World War II. Right. Um, the mm-hmm. Japanese, um, when they were kind of realizing the jig is up, mm-hmm. they resorted to desperate measures of, you know, basically their planes became self-piloted um, torpedoes yeah. um, with yeah. people in it. Um, but the term has a long history in Japan, and kamikaze means divine wind. In Japanese, mm-hmm. kami means like spirit or divine. Mm-hmm. And it comes from... All the way back in the 1200s, 
AD. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Kublai Khan was the grandson of Genghis Khan. So this is a Mongol yes, yeah. warlord. Mm-hmm. And he had conquered China, and Japan was in his sights. Hmm. He sent a message to the emperor of Japan saying, hey, um, basically, give me tribute, things of that nature, or I'm hmm. invading. The emperor never got those letters. Because at this time, Japan was ruled by the shogun. So they had an emperor, but really... He was just a figurehead. The, uh, the real power was the shogun. Yeah, yeah. And so the emperor never got it. So Kublai Khan was beside himself because not only, I mean, the emperor never even responded to him. He didn't say no. Oh, he never said anything he because he never read. He left him on read. <laughs> didn't even read it. He didn't even read left it. Left him on un- He did not even un- open the un- message. Undelivered. Kublai right. Khan was down bad. Kublai <laughs> Khan was down bad. Oh, and he yeah. said, I'm going to get... And he, he starts getting petty. He, he called the emperor the ruler of a small country. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's, what a burn. <laughs> you ruler of a small uh, country. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. <laughs> They'll never recover. Um, so in 1274, Kublai Khan launches an invasion of Japan. And so they put together a large fleet. Um, estimates vary, but mm. they think it was between 500 and 900 vessels. Oh, wow. And maybe around 40,000 warriors. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Fair size. This was a lot. This was more than the Japanese could handle. Mm-hmm. There is some initial fighting, mm-hmm. and it's not going well for the Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, the Japanese retreat. The Mongols say, well, you know, we're still in enemy territory. Um, they were worried the Japanese were going to bring reinforcements, so they go back to their ships uh, mm-hmm. until they can go back at a more advantageous time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for them... While they are at anchor at the bay in their ships, a typhoon <laughs> rages through the area of Japan and absolutely devastates the fleet. Oh my gosh. And so um, thousands die, the fleet is in ruin, so the invasion's off. It's ruined. <laughs> um, but the Mongols were not daunted. They said, well, you know what? We're going to invade you again. We're not going to stop. I'm going to invade harder. We're going to invade even harder. They do. Um, and so the Japanese, they say they're not going to let rest on their laurels. They mm-hmm. actually build up in parts of Japan this very large two meter, mm-hmm. around six feet tall um, wall around the sea to kind of mm-hmm. fortify against another invasion. Because they were like, you know what? The Mongols aren't going anywhere. Right, right. Um, in 1281, so about, I think, seven years later, okay. the Mongols come back with an even bigger fleet. Some projections, and so again, these are all estimations. We don't exactly right. know the numbers. Are 4,400 ships. Holy cow. And <laughs> um, an estimation, again, estimation yeah. between 70,000 to 140,000 troops. Oh my gosh. It's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> There's again some initial fighting, but the Mongols are having a tough time getting into Japan because of the, the fortifications the Japanese mm-hmm. have built. Um, so it's working. Mm-hmm. Good for good for Japan. So the Mongols go back to their ships and anchor at bay. Mm-hmm. And while they're at their ships, anchored at bay, another typhoon <laughs> blows through no and demolishes the Mongol fleet. Oh my gosh. And based off the records of the Japanese, they said that 
they thought 80% of these soldiers were killed either by the typhoon or the Japanese when the soldiers washed up on shore. They didn't take them as prisoners. <laughs> they didn't say, we'll do hostages. They just straight up killed them just oh when they gosh. washed up. I love that Mother Nature was like, in case you thought I was joking, here's another one. <laughs> here's another typhoon for Talk you. about a home field advantage. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah seriously. Oh my God. And so the... The Japanese, the Mongols never invaded again. They were like, all right, two is enough, two is enough for us, <laughs> yeah. two times. Uh, the Japanese believed that this was um, providential. This was from the gods. Mm-hmm. So that's why they called it a divine wind or kamikaze. Huh. And that is kind of what the, the Japanese were trying to tap into when they named the um, kamikaze pilots. Interesting. See, but I think they missed the heart of the sacred wind. By driving themselves into ships instead of letting the weather do that. Oh, yeah, I get you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody missed the mark. They yeah, didn't yeah. Right, they right. didn't get the memo. It was um, the Netflix adaptation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a fair point. It's just yeah. like, yeah, remember that time in our history class where we learned about the divine wind? Yes. All right, remember that. Now crash your plane into the enemy vessel. Yes. <laughs> the, first guy, the first guy was an accident. <laughs> Oh, oh, divine wind. Gosh, my translation is rough. I guess I'm just going to crash. <laughs> I am the divine wind. I guess I'll. I die. mean, that was kind of the idea oh, they okay. were going for yeah, is that yeah. these kamikazes are like the, I guess you could say, the gods' way of now protecting Japan. Oh, okay. I guess is what they were going for. Hmm. Okay. You know, I really thought I knew the story of the kamikaze. I was totally off. <laughs> yeah, wow. There's a lot. Nice. What else you got? Number four is the New York City Doctor Riots of 1788. Hmm. Um, now, this begins because a doctor works on the human body. Mm-hmm. And so the best way we have found for doctors to become acquainted with the human body is to look at cadavers, corpses. Mm-hmm. Um, in the infancy of modern medicine, that was that was difficult mm-hmm. because a lot of people had a problem with corpses being messed with. Kind mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's corpse, somebody's remains was kind of considered sacrosanct. Well, not in mm-hmm. Stanland, apparently. Not in Stanland. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just a goat. <laughs> it's just a goat. Just a goat. <laughs> not a person. Right. right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so doctors had a really hard time. A lot, in a lot of places, it was illegal to do um, work and operations on cadavers, hmm. um, especially in America. Mm-hmm. And so medical schools funded a thriving grave robbing industry. <laughs> um, this happened in the Renaissance um, mm. with medical schools and artists, actually, as well, because those wow. artists who wanted to, you know, make the human body look so realistic, they... Looked at cadavers. Huh. Um, and so this was true in New York City. They mostly got their um, subjects mm-hmm. from an African-American grave, graveyard, cemetery mm-hmm. outside the city. Huh. Um, and the African-American community knew about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they weren't happy about it. Um, naturally. Naturally, yeah. <laughs> but, but what gets mm-hmm. me is the, their, the first time they write a letter to the city basically saying, hey, we know this is happening. Could they do this more respectfully? Mm. I might be misinterpreting. They weren't saying, you know, they have mm. to stop. But they were like, is there a way they could do this more respectfully? Mm. Like, 
rather than legally acquiring yeah. corpses. Yeah. yeah, could you not just steal our loved ones' corpses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, because it was 1788, yeah. nothing happened. Nothing was done about oh, it. Oh, wow. Um, and there's a few things that lead to something happening about it. Mm. Um, one is there's a story that there was a um, white woman's body that mm. was um, stolen mm-hmm. and used. And so, of course, that was much more scandalous to the majority white population of New right. York City right. at the time. Right. Um, and also, something happened. Um, there was some kind of event that involved children. So there are different versions of this story. There are some children who saw something at the medical school mm-hmm. that it upset them greatly. Mm-hmm. And this kind of acted as a catalyst to starting a riot. Um, that one version is that the children were playing near the college and that there was an arm, like, drying out on the window. Oh, my gosh. Um, there's one version where uh, one of these medical students sees the children and grabs the arm and waves at them with it. Yes! Wow. Sorry about your ears. That's just uh, awesome. I'm, sorry. I'm thinking... Headphone users, I'm, sorry. I'm thinking of... Uh, Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> what he's like, hey guys, Buzz, I'm right here. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, wow. And the, I, I know that's sadistic. Oh, that's real. I hope that's the real one. You hope that's the real one? Yeah. Um, well, compared to this next one, I hope so as well, because the, the third version is um, the worst. Oh, um, no. The third version, uh, the kids are going by, and they are African, one of them's an African American child. Mm-hmm. And the they see a hand or an arm or something, and the person working with it inside the college says, "Hey, this is your mom's arm." Uh, oh my And his gosh. mother had died recently. Um, and the kid is obviously upset. You know, uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. And yeah. so the story goes: he runs back home to his dad and tells his dad, and his dad is livid. And so oh he gosh. gets a posse together, and basically, um, they just want to burn it to the ground. I don't blame them. Yeah, I don't. Oh yeah, gosh. it's understandable. Yeah, the Holy first cow. recorded historical your mom joke. I don't know about that. The Romans, the Romans, uh, <laughs> maybe Romans. not the first, but a memorable one. Um, yes, a very bad. One. Wow. And uh, so they stormed the medical school. Uh, some medical students, a lot of the medical students, you know, they beat feet, they get out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's stories of one medical student, like, going up in the chimney and hiding. Um, wow. Some of them try to protect some rare specimens that they had, but they, mm-hmm. to no avail. Um, so the the rioters, the mob, takes these specimens um, and burns them. They pile them up and burn them. Mm-hmm. There are mm-hmm. some stories that when they go to the school, they find other bodies in um, kind of grisly conditions. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that just kind of stokes the anger even right. more. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they were going to basically kill some of these medical people, but the uh, the mayor and I think the sheriff, um, it might be someone with the, the militia, mm-hmm. step in and says, hey, you know, uh, basically he says, look, you guys from the school, you've got to go to the jail for mm-hmm. your own protection. Because right, these guys right. are going to kill you. Yeah. Um, and so basically everything goes down at the jail. Um, more and more word gets out. The mm-hmm. mob gets bigger and bigger. Um, and so the officials of New York City are trying to do everything they can to quell it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the militia is called in to kind of keep the peace. People like Alexander Hamilton, mm-hmm. um, John Jay. I don't know if you guys know who John Jay is. Mm, no. Not quite. No. Okay, he's a he's one of the founding fathers as well, um, and oh, okay. a, a guy named um, Baron von Steuben, who was a Revolutionary War hero from Prussia. Von Steuben. Von Steuben. It's a very Definitely fun not made up. No. <laughs> it, no, it sounds made up, but I believe you. <laughs> yeah, um, and actually, um, John Jay, mm-hmm. he's one of the people who wrote the Federalist Papers. Um, famously, oh, Alexander okay. Hamilton wrote the most of them, mm-hmm. majority of them, and the reason is is because John Jay was trying to quell the riots. He was saying, "Hey, you guys, um, calm. You know, you're upset, understandable, mm-hmm. but let's let the law, let's let the system work this out. You know, let these guys face a trial." Mm-hmm. And so the people were still incensed, and somebody uh, threw something like a brick or a rock. Um, and the report was that they almost caved in John Jay's head. Oh my and so that's gosh. one reason why he did not write more of the Federalist Papers, is because he was Correct. recovering from an acute case of brick to the head. Mm, a headache. A yes. severe headache. Yes. Um, and oh so, all in all, I believe 25 people died in these riots. Wow. Um, eventually, they do try, the rioters try and storm the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, the militia has enough of it and they open fire. On the rioters, um, so I think um, several militiamen die, several rioters die. Mm-hmm. So it was a um, a terrible situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for a long time after that, doctors had a very bad reputation in New York City. I bet. Yeah, yeah. which oh, is understandable. understandable. Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah. Any idea what came of that? Like. So, Did they have more strict rules on cadaver? I think things? basically what happened, from what I understand, is that they started to do more of the um, condemned criminals when they were executed. Oh, the state okay. like um, donated their body to science. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that kind of makes sense. We're just like, hey, think, this is maybe, a bad guy. Yeah. You know. And it might have been if it was yeah. a condemned criminal who didn't have a family to oh, claim them. Okay, yeah. I'm not 100 percent certain. Because mm. um, I know now you can donate your body to science. Yes, 100. percent Any idea when that started? I don't know when that started. Okay. Um, as as it applies to this story, hmm. um, but I can tell you if that was a thing, it probably would have prevented the doctor's riot of 1788 <laughs> yeah. at the time. Yeah, it probably had to affect that somehow. You know, maybe not like immediately, but maybe in like years later. Hey, remember when this happened? Yeah. yeah. Let's not have that happen again. Yeah. What if we did something so that didn't happen? Huh. Interesting. All right. Um, you got another one? Oh, I got seven. <laughs> Don't you worry. Now, this is one uh, I'm going to uh, preface this by saying this is one that um, it's heavily debated whether or not this happened or not. Okay. So okay. this is... This is one that is potentially... Something that did not actually happen. Gotcha. But the story is so good that I just have to do it. <laughs> and because also it's a That's good... Fair. The reason why it is called into question is, is because the only official... When it first officially appears in a record is 40 years after the event mm. happened. Okay. And so typically in history, you know, the closer a record of an event is to when it happened, you know, mm-hmm. the more weight it's given. Gotcha. So that, it gives some people some pause, the fact that, you know, it took so long for anyone to write, mm-hmm. write about this event. Um, so, this is the Battle of, I believe it's pronounced, uh, 
Karensibo. Okay. And this was a battle during a war between the Austrian army mm-hmm. and the Ottoman Empire. Oh. Okay. So the Ottoman Empire was um, basically what became modern-day Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fighting in the Balkan Peninsula above Greece. And so the Austrians are around the town of Karensibo. Mm-hmm. It's dark. And they, uh, for one thing, the Austrians have just a big problem in general. And that is the fact that they've got so many different nationalities in their army. Mm-hmm. And it's a problem because all these different nationalities speak different languages. Mm-hmm. None of them speak the same language. Mm-hmm. You've got Germans, Hungarians. I mean, you've got all these different ethnic groups. Right. They all speak different languages. Mm-hmm. So that makes understanding each other very difficult because mm-hmm. you don't know what Fred is saying. Right. Because right. it's a different language. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a patrol of cavalrymen, the story goes, that go out at night to kind of patrol for Ottoman Turks. Um, but they come across a group of travelers who say, hey, you soldiers have been out all day. Um, have a, come have a drink. Relax, have a drink. The cavalrymen say, you know what? I think we will. And so they drink, and as happens sometimes when people drink, they got drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a an, another unit of Austrian soldiers comes upon this, and they say, hey, we want a drink. <laughs> um, but the as cavalrymen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as you do, the cavalrymen say, no, we're not going to let you have what we're drinking. Uh, and so a fight breaks out between these soldiers, these infantrymen, and these cavalrymen. Um, mm-hmm. And it basically kind of devolves into a drunken brawl. And supposedly, some shots were fired. Uh, so you can imagine, in the town, the very sober um, rest of the army hears a commotion. They hear shots being fired. And so they say, oh, shoot. The Ottomans are here. It, it's go time. It's, yeah. it's go time. Uh, mm-hmm. The fight's on. Right. And so they start getting their stuff together. They're in a panic. Um the people who are having the brawl, they hear that there's a, a commotion coming from the town, and they say, oh, shoot, the Ottomans must be here. It's go time. <laughs> oh, no. um, and so as they get closer, the the guys who had initiated the drunken brawl, they hear the people in the town saying, Turks, Turks, because they think it's the Ottoman Turks. Mm. Uh, and one guy, there's a story that says there's a German officer who says halt, but um, they, they thought he said Allah, which the Ottomans were Muslim, so they thought, oh, shoot. This is definitely the Turks. Oh, wow. And so what happens is these two forces start firing on each other. These two Austrian forces start firing on each other um, and inflict heavy casualties. Uh, It's dark. None of them speak the same language. There's a lot of confusion. And so the story goes that the Ottoman Turks arrive and the town is just in shambles. Because uh, the Austrian army has suffered all these self-inflicted wounds and casualties. And so the Austrians just have to say, well, you know what? Uh, Time to pull out. uh, Better luck next time. (laughs) And so this is one of those things where I love the story because it's just... Because, I mean, friendly fire is a thing that happens in war. Anyway, this is just kind of um, that to the extreme. Right. And uh, so, yeah, the first official report of it was not until 40 years later. So that gives some people pause. But people who are proponents of it say, well, you know what? If you were the Austrian army 
and you lost a, an entire town because you started shooting at yourself. Yeah. Would you really report that? <laughs> right. It's true. Right. So it's, it's one of those things, um, you know how the Mythbusters, you know, I would say it's it's possible. I don't know mm, that it's yeah. plausible. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's confirmed. I think it's possible, but it's also very possible it didn't happen. That it didn't happen. Right. I think it's the truth. It might be and the I truth. I will die on that hill. Yeah. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Uh, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's really sad, honestly. It is very like, sad. You know, now, hundreds of years later, it's pretty comical at the same time. Well, it's one of those things, mm. um, a lot of times tragedy and comedy kind of go hand in hand. They do, frequently, mm. yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure there are some people who would argue against that, but they're also not very funny people. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd. They've, obviously, they've obviously never been in a drunken Austrian bar fight. I mean, yeah. it has to be there. Quite they don't know how quickly those devolve. <laughs> Cody does, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've been in two. <laughs> Friendly fire both times. I killed two guys with a trident. <laughs> the same one. You know, they like the old doge, you know. Killing two stones with one bird. Exactly. Killing two guys with one trident. Yeah, I'm a math guy, so you know I'm, I like those kind of numbers and those ratios and you know algebra. <laughs> What's our next fun fact for us? So this one actually might be, if not my favorite, one of my favorite his stories from history. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the story of the false Demetrius. We need like a music play in when you say that. Like my favorite history moment, like the dun dun dun. 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 Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll see if I can find an audio clip. It'll play like right now. Because we're not going to hear it, but our no, I, I heard it. Yeah, <laughs> in your in your heart. That's right. Anyway, that's all that matters. Favorite story. So the false Demetrius. Uh, this arose. Um, there was a Russian czar, one of the first ones. Mm-hmm. His he was Ivan the Fourth, also known as Ivan the Terrible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I've heard him. sounds like a fun guy. Yes. If you couldn't tell by the name, there were some people who didn't like him. Didn't like his rule. Uh, at least I, one historian. At least like one, yeah. <laughs> um, Ivan the Terrible had at least two sons, and um, his eldest son was the one who was supposed to succeed him. Mm-hmm. But he, Ivan the Terrible was um, known to have these fits of rage. Some historians speculate that maybe he had some kind of psychological or mental issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and in one of these fits of rage, he... Uh, hit his son's wife, um, and she was pregnant, and she lost the pregnancy. Oh, my God. And his son was um, beside himself, understandably. Naturally, yeah. And so he went to confront his father, and Ivan the Terrible, again, had a fit of rage, and he took, it was either his scepter or something, and he smacked his son across the head and killed him. Oh, my gosh. Um, And I think it was one of those moments where, if I remember correctly, it's one of those things where it happened, and then he kind of came to his senses and realized what he had done. Right. And, you know, was heartbroken because he had just killed his son. Right, yeah. Um, but this was even worse because he was supposed to succeed him. Um, and also, his younger brother, Dimitri, mm-hmm. had also died. So Ivan mm-hmm. has no male heirs, which is, wow. in this time of history, a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, 
the real story is with Dimitri. So Dimitri was a young boy when he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died, we think, in some pretty suspicious circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's believed that a he might have been assassinated. Mm. Um, they even think there was a guy named Boris uh, Godunov, um, who might have been the one who had him assassinated. Mm. Especially since he is the one who eventually became the ruler of Russia. Oh. So, you know, you kind of put two and two together. Yeah, right, right. right. Uh, so the story with the false Dimitris is that later on there's this guy, this adult, who appears and says, I am Dimitri. Um, I did not <laughs> die. My mother, the the widow of um, Ivan the Terrible, mm-hmm. uh, whose name was Maria, got wind that I was going to be, there was going to be an assassination attempt mm-hmm. and had me transported to Poland. And some other little boy was assassinated. Mm. <laughs> I'm the real McCoy. I'm the real deal. Wow. Um, uh, real Slim Shady. The real Slim Shady, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Uh, and so for one thing, it's like, well, did nobody recognize that this boy that was dead was obviously not little Ivan? Or little Dimitri? Right. Little Dimitri, yeah. Huh. I mean, uh, hmm. but what's crazy is he goes, he meets the widow of Ivan the Terrible, and she says, oh yeah, this is my son. And what? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, and so it's one of those things where it's like, why did she say this? Because, again, most historians are pretty well convinced this guy was not Dimitri. Little Dimitri okay. yeah. got killed. Uh, we think. I mean, you know, again, it's one of those things. And there, mm-hmm. there's no Maori to, like, find out Ivan was the father. Of there's the no Maori, that's right. There's yeah. no, uh, your, yeah. the DNA test shows that your claim is false. <laughs> um, no, there's nothing like that. And so... But he came at the perfect opportunity because Russia was having a bad time. Hmm. And it's a time period called the Time of Troubles. Hmm. So they were having a bad time. Um, So they had weak leaders. And so this new Dimitri comes and says, hey, I'm Dimitri. I'm here to restore the old order. Hmm. Um, And the current guy in power, the one who we think, uh, Boris, the one who we think um, probably had actual Dimitri assassinated, was like, well... I'm in power, so I don't like the sound of that. And uh, he fought with false Dimitri. And hmm. he dies. Um, I think we th- that he died of a disease, of an illness, during hmm. um, the fighting. Mm-hmm. And so the boyars, which are like the Russian version of nobles, are like, oh, well, he's dead, so I guess we will throw in with Dimitri here. <laughs> and so <laughs> they go from fighting him to supporting him and so he is coronated the, the new czar, Dimitri. Uh, but he marries a woman, and this becomes important later, mm-hmm. named Marina. Um, hmm. But unfortunately for Dimitri, his reign is not going to last very long. Mm. Um, a lot of his policies were really, that he wanted to enact were really going to like shake up how things happened in Russia. Mm-hmm. And so the nobles, they... Don't like it when things are shake, sh- shaken. Naturally, uh, because you know they're they're really enjoying the benefits of how things work right now. Right, right. Um, so they were upset with that. He potentially converted to Roman Catholicism, mm-hmm. which was a big, uh, which to us we're like, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but you know, back then Russia was a Russian Orthodox country, so doing that right. was, you know, tantamount to heresy. Deal. Yeah. Yes. Um, so a lot of people thought that he was influenced by Catholics. Um, so people were upset because he supposedly let Catholic and Protestant soldiers that he hired pray in Orthodox churches, which again to them was, mm. you know, mm-hmm. utter heresy. 
Uh, and also, the the nobles start spreading a rumor that he's going to lock um, the doors of Moscow and basically start massacring people. Oh, wow. Hmm. So, things have kind of taken a turn for Dmitri. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the people are outraged, and so a coup is led against him. And this is the most over-the-top part. He is found. He tries to escape. I think he jumps out a window and breaks his leg. Mm-hmm. Um he is captured. Um, they were under the impression that actually he is from Poland. So they capture him. They execute him. They cut up his body. They burn the pieces. They stuff the ashes into a cannon and blast it into Poland. <laughs> what? The, what? <laughs> you mad, Russia? <laughs> yes. Poland I mean, just standing there I'm like, wait, what? What just happened? Ivan the Terrible is starting to sound more like Ivan the Reasonable. <laughs> Ivan the Standard. <laughs> Ivan the Terrible, Dimitri the Cannonball. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, what's the, the false Dimitri story does not end here. There's more? <laughs> a, about a year later, uh, two years later, another man appears. And he says, actually, I am the real Dimitri. Oh, no. I am Spartacus. Exactly. Um, uh, apparently, he looked nothing like the previous false Dimitri. It's just, it's just freaking, freaking Kevin Hart. Yeah, what's up? I'm Dimitri. And again, so he basically has a coalition um, in the south and is fighting the new ruler right. um, who is in the north. And the thing that's crazy is Marina, the wife of the first false Dimitri, says, oh yeah, this is my husband. What? <laughs> um, and what so is... I don't know, I don't know if she was like, okay, I'm going to take a gamble and say that he's going he's gonna to succeed and I'm going to ride those coattails. Yes. I don't know what, what I mean, she was thinking. It's apparently just tradition at this point to be like, oh yeah, that's real. It's him. Yeah, it, it's that's him. The one. I'm great at recognizing people. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Dimitri number two, um, he is locked in war with the forces kind of in northern Russia. Mm-hmm. But he actually is killed by one of his own subordinates, mm-hmm. a guy named Yurosov. Uh, mm. Apparently, he had Yurosov flogged at one point, mm. and Yurosov was not a fan of being flogged. Yeah. Most yeah. people are not. Um, and according. Not all people. No, but there's a very niche group of people, <laughs> myself included. <laughs> well, that, that, we'll save that episode for later. <laughs> that is uh, overcomplicated after dark. Yeah. <laughs> after dark. <laughs> anyway, um, the way he died is supposedly there's an account that uh, Yurazov was galloping next to him. Uh, Dmitri was drunk, of course. It's Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was in a sleigh, and he gallops up next to Dimitri. He uh, pulls a pistol out, um, shoots him, and then cuts off his head. Hmm. Just to make sure he's dead. <laughs> Double tap. Can't Double be, tap. Can't That's be right. too sure. Uh, it doesn't end there, though. There's not a fourth one. There's a third. <laughs> third one? A third <laughs> false Dimitri. <laughs> Leave the numbers to me, Cody. <laughs> I'm a math guy. <laughs> At this point, this one is basically just like a glorified bandit. Right. He's right. even called the Thief of Puskov. 
Hmm. So basically, he just kind of runs around uh, wrecking stuff, ravaging the place. But he calls himself Dimitri. And so um, he eventually is betrayed by one of his followers and is executed in Moscow. So those are the three false Dimitris. I I feel like the third false one was literally just doing it as a joke. Yeah, like at that time, it's like yeah, it's just like "Ah, why not? Let's just go. (laughs) You know what? I am Dimitri. That's right. I I am the fourth one. He actually (laughs) came from Kyrgyzstan. He was just done playing a game of dead goat polo. You know what? I had a good game. I'm Dimitri. I'm Dimitri. Let's try out my luck. <laughs> Not so lucky, apparently. I scored three goat and hole. <laughs> well, you got any more? I've got several more. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Let's do let's do a few more. Let's do a few more. Okay. Um This one's really wild. It's another one that involves a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Cadaver Synod. Cadaver Synod. Okay. So there was a pope in the late 1800s named Formosus. Hmm. Formosus had kind of a wild ride. He was the bishop bishop of a place in Italy called Porto Santa Rufina. Hmm. Um, at one point, he was excommunicated and had to go into exile. They think because he had some beef with the current pope at the time. Okay. Um, and I'm not going to name any of the other popes because there's a lot of popes that go through this guy's lifetime. Gotcha. So, he has beef with one of the popes. Mm-hmm. So he's excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church mm. and has to flee. That pope dies. New pope comes in and says, hey, we're all good. He goes back to being bishop of uh, Porto Santa Rufina mm-hmm. and his influence with the popes starts to grow. Mm. He starts to become more popular, more influential. Till eventually, it is his time to shine. And he becomes the Pope. Pope Formosus. Um, but he's got a problem. Um, Rome is kind of under the thumb of the Holy Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, which really has nothing to do with the Roman Empire. But, right. you know, uh, it was just a name more than anything. Yeah, it was kind of a, na- it, yeah, a name more than anything. Yeah. Um, and he was not a fan because I guess he wanted Rome to be under his thumb. Because he's the Pope. Um, so he contacts a Frankish king um, named, where's your name? Dimitri. <laughs> the fourth Dimitri. Um, king Arnulf. Not hmm. Arnold, Arnulf. Hmm. Um, and he said, hey, can you invade Italy for me? <laughs> Just real quick. Just real quick, no biggie. If you're not too busy. <laughs> um, and Arnulf has said, hey, you know what? Yeah, sure. And so he is in the process of invading Italy when something happens and Arnulf uh, is struck with paralysis. And so, you know, it's kind of hard to lead a campaign, a war, when you are paralyzed. Uh, so he, yeah. he yeah. retreats. Um, things are not going well for Formosus, but he actually, he dies. Um, hmm. I don't know that his death is mysterious or anything like that, but he does die. Mm-hmm. Where things really get interesting for Formosus is after he dies, hmm. which is usually... Um, the opposite of how it works. Yeah, usually. Yeah. yeah, usually things happen when they're alive. Right. Um, at least for their body. <laughs> for most people. <laughs> yeah. Um, he had a political enemy who becomes the next pope. Hmm. His political enemy is not a fan of Formosus. And so he has his corpse exhumed. Hmm. And his nine-month dead corpse exhumed and put on a throne... And they hold a trial. 
of his corpse. And there's even a um, a deacon. There's somebody who is put up to represent him. This, what do you this, have to say for yourself? Chocolate. Your silence chocolate. is deafening. <laughs> <laughs> the silence says everything. And so um, he accused the corpse of Formosus of uh, violating canon law, perjury, and many other things. Um, the fingers that, you know, I guess the Pope uh, like has his rings that mm, represent mm-hmm. his office. Yeah. The hands, the fingers that those would have gone on were cut off. Oh my gosh. Um, basically everything, this Pope decreed that whatever Formosus said beforehand mm. um, was null. Hmm. And his body was thrown in a grave and then later exhumed again and thrown into the Tiber River. Oh. Just to add injury to insult. Yeah. Um, eventually the people of Rome catch wind of this and they're like, hey, uh, you know, we don't like the fact that you did that to the dead Pope, you know? Twice. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so this really, um, actually this ended up with um, the guy who exhumed his body. Um, he uh, was strangulated. Oh, so, gosh. Yeah. So it did not end well for him. Yeah. Huh. Um, so there was so much upheaval and so much contention about this issue that um, he eventually was in prison and then he died by strangulation. Wow. So... Um, later popes um, said, no, Formosus, you're good. They, they basically re, reinstated him as pope um, and mm-hmm. things of that nature. But um, there was a time when a dude's corpse was put on trial. So when they wow. brought him back, when they're like, you're good, did they exhume him from the Tiber River and have another trial where <laughs> they, so, re- they reattached his fingers? <laughs> I don't think they reattached. I, I don't know. Who knows what happened to the fingers? But so the people of Rome were like, oh, the pope's body is in the river. We should do something about that. And I think yeah. they probably brought him and buried him somewhere. But he was reburied with honors, I think, by okay. some of the, the later popes. Wow. I'm just imagining during the trial, the guy who like had to like be him, like standing up there, like moving the jaw while saying, <laughs> like a puppet, <laughs> like, like I, uh, I plead not guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being That's not that. what he sounded like. <laughs> Imagine being that guy. Like you've worked your whole life to become a cardinal. Yeah. And they're like, we got a big job for you. You're gonna represent a dead guy. The trial is like, what? Yeah, oh, <laughs> good joke. I'm dead serious. <laughs> so is <was> he. <laughs> so when they said he violated canon law, is canon law what Dimitri also violated? <laughs> Apparently, a different kind of canon law. <laughs> So we're coming up on an hour. So what I think we should do, let's do one more. Does that sound good? Yeah. Got a good one. one more? I'm good. All right. oh, yeah. But it's got to be your best one. I think Demetri right. is my best one. Again, these are all fantastic. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think anything tops Demetri, but I like this one a whole lot. Yeah, awesome. Um, this is from World War II, uh, and this is known as either the decoy army or the ghost army. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what this was, was a completely false army. It was a fake army that we set up. Patton, right? Patton, who is a, a tank commander, was put in charge of it. And so what we did was, um, when we were planning for D-Day to invade Normandy, mm-hmm. we want, you know, uh, it goes all the way back to Sun Tzu, all of war is deception. Mm-hmm. If you can deceive your enemy and make, you, make them think you're doing something you're not, you're just giving yourself a big advantage. Right. So we knew that. And so we knew that we were going to strike Normandy. 
So what we wanted to do was try and convince the Nazis that was not what we were striking. And so mm. what we did is um, we set up in England uh, this fake army. It was a bunch of like inflatable tanks, artillery, <laughs> jeeps. And so like if you would have looked at it up close, you would have been like, oh, obviously this is fake. Right. But, right. you know, it was meant to be seen from up above in mm. early, you know, spy planes. So the image would not be nearly as good. So what you would see from miles and miles above would be like, oh my gosh, there's an army here. Right, mm-hmm. right. And they even went out of their way to partially cover it, but not do a good job. So it's like, uh, oh, yeah. we tried to cover it. Please don't see this. Right. Oops. What's that, uh, that movie Blazing Saddles? Yeah. yeah. At the end when they make the fake village. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just like frames with painted buildings on it and they fall for it. Basically. (laughs) Basically the same thing. And so they positioned this at, and where they positioned it, another good part of why this worked so well is that they positioned it in a place that makes sense. Hmm. The closest place from England to Europe is a place in France called Calais. Hmm. And so they positioned this army on the other side of the English Channel from Calais. So it makes sense. This is the shortest Hmm. route from England to France. So it would make sense you would launch an attack there. Um, and so we think this helped a lot in kind of having the um, the German army kind of be off guard. But they didn't stop there. Not only did they make this false army for D-Day, when we landed at Normandy, they made a false harbor. And they lit it up at night so that the Germans would see it huh. with the idea that they would shoot at that instead of shooting at our actual harbors. Uh-huh. Um, they also uh, went in... And uh, at several points in different battles, they would go in and they would make it seem as if with these decoy armies, like we had more men than we really did hmm. to kind of tie up the Germans. They would think, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, there's a really big army here. But really, a lot of it was the decoys. So they would have more men at a battle than they needed to. Huh. Um, they also did sound effects. They went and recorded uh, <laughs> like the sounds of like artillery and cannons <laughs> and guns, and they would play it. So it would sound like, oh, shoot, there's stuff going on. Wow. They did, uh, like, they would wear the insignias of divisions that were stationed in other places. So it would be like, wait a minute. I thought those guys were in North Africa, but why are they here in Europe? Uh, Mm. Another one, my favorite one, is that, um, because it's like something out of a cartoon, Mm -hmm. they would have um, the mobile troop transports, Mm -hmm. like the covered trucks that they moved troops in. They would have um, just two real people Mm -hmm. in the back where you could see, and the rest of it was empty. And they would keep looping around an area, so it looked like there was this huge convoy <laughs> of troops being moved, but it was just like a few trucks and two dudes in the back. Um, so, Where does this end? <laughs> How do they have so many? Uh, so I really, uh, I love wow. the Ghost Army. That's, that is awesome. <laughs> Imagine getting trolled that hard. Right. That's how you lose wars. So did it like... Did it work? Like, was well, D-Day we won more war. successful mm-hmm. because of that? Or? I guess it's hard to say because you're mm-hmm. getting into speculative history. You know, who knows right, what would have right. happened if it didn't. Mm-hmm. If they didn't do that, um, we have no way of knowing. Gotcha. Um, I would say it didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're also not speaking German on this podcast. That's true. This is yeah. true. <laughs> or are we? Yeah. I, no, this is definitely no, that's fair. English. That's true. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm the English guy. Got my degree in English. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely think it helped. I don't think it. I don't think it hurt. Right. right. Think, yeah. Awesome. Well, Jacob, thanks for joining us. That was awesome. We're definitely going to have to bring you back again. 
Uh, to either finish out this list or to get more. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. awesome. Really enjoyed Or it. to live stream a game of dead goat polo. <laughs> Maybe. Could. Yeah, you can teach we us could. the rules. Yeah, we just got to get our hands on the dead goat. Okay, I'd have to learn the rules first, horses. but yeah. <laughs> Instead of horses, we can use bikes and tricycles. Or office chairs with wheels. <laughs> what about those? Bicycles with wheels. Good idea. <laughs> a novel idea. <laughs> Before this devolves any further, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. I hope you join us next time on Overcomplicated.